Good morning, and welcome to Monday Mornings. With Maddie and Morgan. I'm Maddie. And I'm Morgan. Hello. Hi. How are you? I am good. Very warm, but <laughs> good. And freaking toasty here in the Northeast this week. Oh, yeah. I mean... And we don't know how to handle it. I'm melting. <laughs> no, and I was out in Utah, and it was so hot out there, and I was like, oh, well... It's going to be still like 60s when I get back to Massachusetts. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, guys, <laughs> I'm not ready for this. <laughs> oh, how was your trip? It was very awesome. It was very fun. Um, I had done some of those hikes that we did before, but it was great to do them again and see Zion and Salt Lake and the Mormons and... <laughs> My friends. I've always wanted to do the slot canyons. Yeah, I thought they were going to be a lot more terrifying than they were. Um, And we also did get schooled by some, like, 65-year-olds, I think. So that was fun. You know how it goes. You can't go hiking without getting schooled by 65-year-olds. Well, honestly. Well, there was this one point where you're, like, climbing over all these rocks. And then (laughs) you get to the end of the rocks and you look down, and it's a 20-foot drop. Oh. And we were like, uh... <laughs> we roll up, and there's already, like, a squad of, like, four people that are like, you look a little bit more experienced than us. How do we get over that? <laughs> Turns like, out you go under it. No, we don't know anything. <laughs> I know, I was like, I don't know. I've never been here before. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Both of our sisters graduated from college. Yeah. That was, like, officially as of this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, Liv's graduation was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Jackie's was Friday, so congrats to them both. I feel so old. I know. Class of 2021. Yeah. They've been through a lot. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Between Liv having to leave Italy, like, in an emergency because of COVID. Oh, yeah. And Jackie not being able to go to Italy because of COVID. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Now we can convince them to bring us to Italy, so. Yes. (laughs) Maddie Morgan from Italy. (laughs) We're eating spaghetti. Um. Yeah. Disclaimer for this week, um, I'm recording from my parents' house, so we're recording from the same state, but not in the same place. Yeah. And they have some rambunctious dogs that might try and bust right into this room, so I apologize for any background noise that that creates. (laughs) Morgan constantly has cats or dogs trying to bust in, and (laughs) I just have one that tries to bust in, but she's usually easier to ignore. (laughs) My uh, attention is just wanted. What can I say? Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, anywho, what are you going to talk about this week, Manny? Okay. So, this week, I have decided to cover the one and the only Typhoid Mary. Heck, yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) So, if you don't know anything about her, don't worry, because I'm going to tell you. We're going to learn all about her. Yeah, and if you don't know anything about typhoid fever, also don't worry, because I'm going to tell you all about it. (laughs) I know about her. I know nothing about typhoid fever, so I'm excited. I did a lot of um, 
podcast listening and reading the CDC website. And then I also um, watched a Nova documentary. And (laughs) I watched a Nova doc for our next week's episode. Or I guess it'll come out in two weeks, but yeah. I was like, oh, throwback. (laughs) Literally. But I did that. And then I also, um, late last night, watched an episode of Drunk History where they cover (laughs) Typhoid Mary. Amazing. It was very funny. But, so I don't know exactly what brought this up, but I decided to cover Typhoid Mary, one, because I'm a nerd and public health is my jam. (laughs) And two, a lot of what I'm about to talk about is pretty relevant right now because of COVID. And just like some of the... Things that end up happening to her because of her, like, typhoid status. Um, So I am going to talk a little bit about typhoid before I talk about Mary. And before I get into all that info, I will just tell you, um, in case you have absolutely no clue who she is, that Mary is the first recorded, quote, healthy carrier of typhoid fever in the United States. So that means basically, like, she didn't have, she was an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid and was able to spread it, but didn't ever really have any symptoms. And correct me if I'm wrong, but she's, like, kind of the, the first, I mean, you kind of just said this, but she kind of incited a bunch of research about other diseases that can have silent carriers so yeah so she was the first recorded case in the u.s i think there was only one before this but it did really like start to open up because this was like right after germ theory and so it wasn't still fully accepted so it was interesting to see people who were like mm, no it's just bad air not me needing to wash my hands and that's <laughs> my next question i feel like i've asked was it before germ theory on like a bunch of our episodes so far yeah so it was like a good like 20 ish years after germ theory but it wasn't like super accepted among like the general population uh also before i begin there will be a lot of poop talk this episode so enjoy (laughs) (laughs) so if you don't want that stop listening (laughs) yeah So, typhoid fever is a nasty bacterial infection that is caused by the bacterium Salmonella typhi. It has a super, super long name, but for the sake of this podcast, Salmonella typhi is really all that you need to know. Um, It is a, like, bacteria under the name Salmonella. It's, which, if you know anything about Salmonella, it makes you poop, so... (laughs) It is transmitted through the fecal-oral pathways, which basically means either you get it from human centipeding or (laughs) through the... (laughs) Through ingesting something that has been contaminated, usually from, like, dirty water. Typhoid has been around for thousands of years, but we aren't exactly sure how long since way back then most people died from some type of diarrhea anyways. (laughs) True. Every disease. (laughs) You shake yourself and die. (laughs) Yeah, you literally just, like, diarrheaed yourself to death, essentially. And, like, it still can happen to babies nowadays, but, like, we got, like, Pedialyte and Gatorade and... And preventative things. Yeah, hand washing. (laughs) According to the CDC, there are between 11 and 21 million cases and about 200,000 deaths worldwide each year. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's less than the flu or COVID, but for something that seems like it shouldn't be that hard to prevent, like literally just by like washing your hands and having like adequate sanitation, like plumbing, it's still endemic to a few areas. Right. Another one of those diseases that I just kind of assumed was obsolete, but it's not. (laughs) Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what endemic means, I'm going to give you a little vocab lesson. Perfect. So we are in a we are currently in a pandemic, um, which means that there is a large scale outbreak across countries, continents, or the globe, and has affected a good chunk of the population. Epidemics are basically the same thing, but can be related to a specific area of almost any size. So this could be a town, county, state, country, and it's usually over a short period of time. And finally, an endemic, this means that the infection or disease is constant or super common at like a baseline level in that geographic area. So since typhoid is spread through the fecal oral route, it is endemic to areas with poor sanitation or minimal plumbing. And typhoid is really not a common issue in most developed countries, but the CDC does recommend getting vaccines when traveling to certain areas where it is common, like in South Asia, but especially if you're traveling to India, Pakistan, or Bangladesh. And the vaccine isn't 100% effective. I think on Sawbones, they said it was like 90% effective. So still pretty effective, but also like if you are traveling to areas where it's more common, they do recommend to practice safe eating and drinking habits when it comes to water sources and like fruits and veggies. Which is pretty much a good practice no matter where you go. <laughs> yeah, especially like even just like the tiniest differences in water, like water in Mexico isn't super like dirty or anything, but there's certain times where you can't drink the water there just because you'll get sick, but it's really, like, they drink it all the time. You just haven't come into contact with that, like, specific strain of bacteria. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So, if you were to get typhoid way back in the day or right now, what would that look like? Well, first you would get infected by most likely coming into contact with contaminated waters. Once you're infected, there is an incubation period before you start to show symptoms where basically this is just bacteria growing and multiplying inside of your body until there's enough of them to make you sick and to continue the cycle of spreading this shit. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) So this time period can be anywhere between 5 and 15 days, but honestly it can even last up to like a month. Um, so you can get infected and then like a month later start to actually have symptoms. Those are the scariest things. Yeah. So this is dependent on then all of a sudden you're dying. Yeah. And this is really dependent on, um, how much of the bacteria you've been exposed to. So if you're like exposed to a whole lot of it, then it will take fewer days. But if you're only exposed to a little bit of it, more of it needs to reproduce for it to get to like a specific amount in your body where it. It's like, all right, cool, now you can have symptoms and spread it further. Mm -hmm. Super fun. So the general symptoms for typhoid fever include weakness, stomach pain, headache, cough, laugh of, laugh, loss of appetite, and diarrhea or constipation. Which 
if you know anything about poop, those are super different. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's a little strange because it's not super common for something to either cause diarrhea or constipation, but it does happen. I feel like you hear that a lot on, like, medication commercials. Yeah. And that is, like, in my opinion, it's probably just, like, a good chunk of people have IBS or, like, are generally constipated, (laughs) but also we're taking that med. So typhoid starts with a fever, and this type of fever is known as a stepladder fever. I don't really remember the technical term for it, but it begins pretty high, and then it steadily rises for about two weeks, and then it will plateau after that. And it starts at about 100.4 Fahrenheit, or 38 Celsius. And it doesn't get crazy, crazy high, like 106 um, or higher, like some like really bad fevers do. When your body's like trying to kill itself. <laughs> yeah. Just kill everything inside. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it does get to about like 104, I think. So this fever is also persistent the entire time. So like with the flu or other fevers, it tends to drop during different parts of the day. So, like, you'll see, like, you'll have a fever in the morning or the evening, but not, like, the middle of the day. And that's why with, like, the flu and stuff, you could feel better for parts of the day, like, whatever. But this is kind of just, like, you consistently will have a fever for, like, a few weeks. Bummer. Yeah. Oh, there's also another super weird thing about this fever with typhoid is you get relative bradycardia, which means that this actually lowers your heart rate, which is wicked weird because um, I think almost every other type of fever increases your heart rate because that's what happens <laughs> with a fever and inflammation. Um, and before you ask, I don't know why and neither <laughs> did the errands from this podcast will kill you. So I'm going to just say that nobody on the planet knows. Um <laughs> Yeah. So in the second week of the your infection, you may get some small salmon-colored spots on your trunk. You may have intestinal bleeding, secondary mm-hmm. bacteremia, and sepsis, which is just like in, a, in another infection. Almost everyone will get hepatitis or swelling of the liver and spleen. It is a cause of acute colitis, which is gallbladder infection. And we will talk a little bit about gallbladders later because it's thought to potentially be a, like, place where this bacteria, like, grows and replicates and stays and lives in some people. There's very few neurological symptoms over time. So I'm going to cover syphilis at some point, but syphilis over the years will cause like crazy neurological damage and there's a few others that will do that especially with like high high fevers and over a period of weeks to months symptoms will slowly go away if you don't die (laughs) great (laughs) yeah so that was how it all went back in the day and slightly today but what treatment do we have now for typhoid Well, first you have to get tested to determine if you even have typhoid. (laughs) So that means blood or stool samples, which is poop, for those of you who don't know what stool samples are. Um, (laughs) I'm hoping most of you do. (laughs) 
I would assume most people do, but you never know. Um, if you end up having typhoid fever, don't worry, because it's easily treated with antibiotics. Just kidding. There is a cute antibiotic-resistant variant out there right now. Of course there is. <laughs> yeah, just like with everything else. This is why um, we face <laughs> Yeah, and it's more commonly found in Afghanistan at the moment, but doctors are aware of this and do usually, like, if you get typhoid fever and you're like, oh, yeah, I've been to Pakistan recently, your doctor will, like, test you after you finish all of your antibiotics to make sure that the bacteria is gone. And if they isn't, if it isn't, they will retest you to see if it's the um, restri- resistant strain of bacteria present. And then they will probably prescribe another new antibiotic, um, which... I don't know if you've ever come into contact with a carrier for something in your own life, but I have. Um, (laughs) There is a period of time in high school where me and my sister kept getting strep. Like, consistently between the two of us, it was like ten times in like a two or three month period. Mm. And they were like, if you guys get it one more time, you're going to have to get your tonsils out. Then we find out that my younger brother was a strep carrier because he had strep nose. Ah, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, so he wasn't ever getting treated, so, like, the bacteria was able to, like, continue right, because... didn't know he had it. <laughs> yeah, so eventually they ended up treating him, and then, knock on wood, I haven't had strep since then. <laughs> Good. Yeah. That was my little anecdote for this part. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, without treatment, someone might have typhoid for weeks or months, and when you're sick for that long, you'll probably end up with some other complications, like I talked about before, like the secondary bacteremia, the sepsis, the colitis, a colis... not colitis, it's (laughs) cholestylitis, I don't know, gallbladder infection, I can't read great... (laughs) It's the morning. We we both just woke up. <laughs> yeah, it's still early. Um, and these complications might end up killing you without treatment. Great. Which is, you know, the huge. So mm. if you survive without treatment, it's very important to know that you could still be shedding the bacteria and passing it on to others, even if you don't have symptoms. And depending on your job or career, you might not be allowed to go back to work after having typhoid until a doctor determines that you don't have any more of the bacteria in your system. You could say they don't want another typhoid Mary case on their hands. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So also, if you're being treated for typhoid, do not make or serve food for anyone. And that... And one last note on typhoid and just general health. Always make sure to take all of the antibiotics or take them for as long as the doctor has prescribed. Like, it's the only way to make sure that a bacterial infection is going to fully go away is if you actually take all of the antibiotics to the full thing. Otherwise, there's going to be a few left over, and that's how we get antibiotic-resistant strains because those ones survive and reproduce and super fun um and also wash your fucking hands when you go to the bathroom when you touch random animals outside like just (laughs) always just in general wash wash your hands all the time like 
I don't know. I think it's something that we should really, I don't know, take away from all of COVID in general. Agreed. So before I go on, I have a few dates to throw out there really quick. So the story of Typhoid Mary takes place starting in 1906. The typhoid vaccine doesn't come out until 1911, and at that time is mostly reserved for soldiers because typhoid was a really common um, disease of war because of, you know, all of the shitty situations. <laughs> um, and there also wasn't antibiotics for treatment until 1948. So during this time, vaccine wasn't readily available and there wasn't antibiotics to treat it. Right. All right. In 1906, there was a typhoid outbreak in the beach town of Oyster Bay. So Oyster <laughs> Bay is on the north coast of Long Island. And this was very strange for this area to end up having typhoid because there was many affluent families lived in vacation there. And at this time, and still kind of today, typhoid is considered a disease that mostly affected the poor or those who lived in the slums of the city. That summer, Charles Warren, a wealthy banker from New York, he was, um, I think, like, the banker or financial advisor for um, the Vanderbilt family. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Also, Oyster Bay is where Teddy Roosevelt used to vacation. Oh. Yeah, so it's a very fancy place. Fancy. <laughs> yeah. So, Charles Warren decides to rent a house on Oyster Bay with his family and staff. In total, there were 11 people there that summer, and between August 27th and September 3rd, six of them had come down with typhoid fever. My God. The owner of the home, because they were renting, and the family were determined to figure out what was the cause of the outbreak. Also at this time, a lot of people would not want to rent the house later on, and it would just basically make that property value plummet, because... They associated that house and that land and the plumbing and everything um, to be considered, like, a hot spot for typhoid or just, like, dirty, I guess. Yeah. So, they hired a sanitation engineer by the name of George Soper. I have some issues with this man, but we will get into that later. <laughs> In an attempt to figure out the cause of this typhoid outbreak... He tests the plumbing to make sure that dirty water isn't, like, coming back out of the faucets. Right. He, um, he tests the water itself that's coming from the pipes. Like, he tests the bay. He tests the milk that they're drinking. And he even tests the freshwater oysters that are pretty common in the area, but, found, like, couldn't find a, like, 100% connection between the outbreak and any of those things because like not all of the people who had oysters had the typhoid so and all the people who had typhoid didn't have the oysters so he was a little confused <laughs> um but nothing came back positive and so this is where typhoid mary enters the chat Typhoid Mary's real name was Mary Mallon. She was an Irish immigrant who worked her way up from the bottom of household jobs as a laundress to the top as a cook. It wasn't easy for Mary in America, as it wasn't for many immigrants then and still to this day. Soper was a bit of an epidemiologist, 
and started to try to find some commonalities and connections between those who had been infected with typhoid in the area. And he ended up finding that the cook named Mary Mallon was the common connection between all of these cases. This was weird, though, since at the time, cooks weren't thought to have been really able to spread typhoid since all of the food was cooked and they generally thought that cooks would have a little bit better of hand washing but also like everything they touched was cooked um, mm-hmm. so they then discovered that mary's signature dish was fresh peaches and ice cream not cooked so not cooked that also sounds really good. Yeah. Oh, my God. In the Drunk History episode I was watching, they had all of these, like, just piles of peaches. Every time they showed her, they had, like, piles of peaches in these big tubs of vanilla ice cream, and it looked so good. <laughs> Amazing. I could do <laughs> peaches and ice cream hold the typhoid Mary, please. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so this would mean that none of the bacteria was dying from heat and boom people got sick i guess she also wasn't a super great hand washer gross <laughs> so when soper decided that mary mallon was the culprit he arrived at the home that she was employed at and essentially demanded for a stool sample from her ew <laughs> i know yeah. he's doing his job but that's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get. I'm about to tell you more about the way he did it and why I have beef with him. Um, so he did have to do some searching to find her because she never left a forwarding address when she left a previous home. But also, like, she was only working in these houses for a few months at a time, and then she was kind of just, like moving on. And I mean, if you don't expect anybody to need to contact you, you don't really need to leave a forwarding address. And also, she wasn't really leaving New York. Mm-hmm. So, he was able to locate her due to an outbreak at the penthouse where she was working. Two of the staff were hospitalized, and the young daughter of the family ended up passing away. So, he rolls up to this penthouse and basically starts accusing Mary of being dirty and having typhoid, and also being responsible for getting all of these people sick. Well, that's just plain rude. Yeah, which is very rude, and then also... Her being an Irish immigrant, she's already getting a lot of prejudice towards her at this time in America. Mm-hmm. So she's already being called dirty in general because, as we still see to this day, people love to call immigrants dirty, <laughs> which is just like, nah. <laughs> so rude. It's so stupid. But, so basically, he, like, really went about this the whole, all, all the wrong ways. Um, he basically has the audacity to then, after insulting her, to tell her that he needs a stool sample from her. Which she's like, what the hell? And rightfully, she chases him out of the home with a carving fork. <laughs> which okay. is my favorite. Um... And this is where my issues start with this man. Like, he could have come in and done that in such a less shitty way, for sure. And just, like, been more considerate. Because, I'm sorry, if somebody doesn't understand why you need a sample of their poop, they're really going to be like, you're creepy. Handing out their poop. (laughs) Yeah, like, people don't do that. Okay, so now that he had found Typhoid Mary, 
he decided to make it his mission to get her blood, urine, and stool. He decided to basically stalk her and really dig into her past and compile a ti- he compiled a timeline of the past five years of her life. Like, uh, it's cool from, like, a public health standpoint where, like, he goes back and, like, figures out all this stuff from her past, but it's also, like, dude, really, you should just try to communicate better with her. He found out that she had previously worked for eight different families, where seven of those reported cases of typhoid fever. Yikes. But this wasn't enough for Sober. He decided to track down Mary's boyfriend and tried to get him to team up with him to help him get samples. Oh my god. Which is, like, crazy overstepping, but, like, okay. Oh my god. (laughs) I mean, you can't say he's not dedicated to his job, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Soper. <laughs> I changed the spelling of his name halfway through my notes, so I don't know if it's Soper, S-O-P-E-R, or Sober, S-O-P-E-R. I did notice. I was like, which one is that? <laughs> um, I think I honestly found it. Like, I heard it writ- like said both ways, and I think I've seen it written both ways, or I was just losing it last night during like finishing up my notes. <laughs> Like, honestly, they sound the same, so it's okay. Yeah, I was like, they sound similar enough, so don't think it really matters. But he, backed by the cops, and a Dr. Josephine Baker finally caught Mary. Um, She did give them a run for their money, though, because she ended up hiding in the house that they found her for hours before they (laughs) ended up catching her. Hide and seek. (laughs) <laughs> literally was like hiding in like a cupboard or something crazy for like hours um, <laughs> so they finally catch her and she's flailing and thrashing and I guess Dr. Baker decided that she had to sit on Mary in the ambulance at some point to restrain her get the hell out of here which like I get that it's like 1907 at this point but I don't know don't they have like restraints they have rope. Like, I don't know, <laughs> figure it out. Oh my gosh. Um, also, a reminder that this was allowed and accompanied by the cops. Sober had been able to prove that Mary was a healthy carrier of typhoid. Even though this was, like, the first case, they determined that she was a threat to the public health because he published an article in the Journal of American Medical... Journal of the American Medical Association on his findings of, quote, Typhoid Mary, which is what they then coined her in the media after his, like, article being published and her, uh, quote, arrest, I guess. So under New York law, she was arrested and taken away because she was seen as a public health threat. And Morgan, would you like to guess where they took her? Didn't they take her to, like, a deserted island or something? Yeah. So, (laughs) they took her to an island in New York called North Brother Island. Which, at the time, was basically where they sent anybody who needed to be quarantined. So, typhoid patients were there. Leprosy patients were there. Um tuberculosis patients were there like a whole bunch of like 
I don't even know, probably like smallpox and other stuff like that. But why I ask is because, if you may remember, there's an episode of Broad City where Abby has to go to North Brother Island to pick up a oh package. Oh my gosh, from I forgot Garrel. that. <laughs> and How so, do I know that name? <laughs> Garrel. Yeah, so basically, I literally was like doing research and I was like, North Brother Island sounds so familiar. I need to see if it's the one from Broad City. And I looked it up and it was, and I was like, Pew! Oh. so that's a fun fact. Um, fun fact. So, in March of 1907, Mary Mallon was sent to quarantine on North Brother Island and had to supply both urine and stool samples a few times a week. Um, They said it was about, like, three times a week, but the numbers I have for, like, stool sample reports in a second don't fully match that. So, I don't know. My other issue that I would like to just mention really quick is a lot of my resources have like the same exact story but slightly different right so if you've heard of the story of typhoid mary and i'm not following exactly the story that you know it's because i had to compile like 17 different stories into one that made sense because i couldn't figure out what the real one was (laughs) and nobody's around to tell us (laughs) yeah So, over her two years in quarantine, 120 out of the 163 stool samples came back positive for salmonella typhi. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so she was, like, and it was, like, a large number of bacteria, too, like, found in them. Like, it wasn't just, like, a small amount. And that can happen. Like, you can be determined to, like, not have it, but then it comes back and stuff, which is why it's important if you're determined to be a carrier to get tested frequently for it, I guess. Right go through antibiotic treatment. (laughs) Doctors thought that there might be an infection center in her gallbladder, which would be why she was a healthy carrier. They offered Mary to take her gallbladder out, thinking that this may stop her from being a carrier, but she denied. And I'm not mad at her about this, because honestly, back then in 1907, it was pretty dangerous to do any type of surgery yeah back then they were like oh something's wrong with you let's just take that body part out <laughs> they were like let's give you some or whatever the hell. they're like let's give you some heroin and probably some like vodka and once you pass out we'll just cut you open and take this thing out um <laughs> yeah i'm glad i wasn't alive back then um <laughs> But also, like, so it's a super dangerous thing to be done, like, any surgery. Like, you don't want to be cut open at that time. But also, they didn't give her all of the information or explain to her what that even meant to be a carrier. And since, like, germ theory wasn't widely accepted still, like, she couldn't really know this. And also, like, if you're not told, hey, this might make you not be a carrier and this might help you um, get out of this quarantine... So, like, how is she supposed to make a logical decision without being given all the facts? If they don't know why, if you don't know why they're removing a body part from you, I probably wouldn't do it either. Yeah, if you're, if you feel, like, she said that she would get, like, flu-like symptoms every once in a while. But, like, I mean, who doesn't? Especially when you're living in a really cramped city full, like, they used horses for transportation at this point. So there was literally just horse shit covering the state of, like, the city of New York. And I'm sure the trash system wasn't... Oh, God, no. 
either. So like the sanitation was very poor at the time. So it's kind of just like if you weren't sick, like good okay. for you. Um, but yeah. So <laughs> two years and eleven months after she's taken to quarantine, the New York State Commissioner of Health made the decision that no healthy carriers should be left in isolation. So Mary was free to go as long as she promised to never work in a kitchen ever again or be very and to be very cautious about spreading typhoid. So she needed to like really step up her hand washing game to make sure she wasn't touching people's foods and like probably not like touching people's faces and stuff like that. And just like be aware that she is a carrier and go to the extra lengths to not spread it. Good practice anyway. Don't touch people's faces. That's weird. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people were doing that, but <laughs> it was the only thing. You never, know. <laughs> you never know. Sometimes people touch your face. You're like, what the? So the health commissioner said that he would help her find another good domestic job. And guess what freaking job he got her? A That's laundress. A oh. <laughs> which is the lowest of the lowest of, like, domestic house jobs that, like, immigrants had. Basically, that's the job that she started at when she moved to America as a teenager. So this, like, isn't a high-paying job. She had worked herself up from, like, that position to, like, the top position. So she's kind of peeved um, because it's not at all high-paying. And she would be making 40% of her previous salary. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think it was, like, she would be making 20 bucks a week instead of 50 bucks a week. Jeez. Which is a big difference. (laughs) Yeah. So Mary had also signed an affidavit stating that she wouldn't work in a kitchen again and she would take these extra precautions to avoid transmission. This new job as a laundress wouldn't last long. Some reports said that she was never intending on staying there and just took it and then immediately left and went to get a job as a cook. I don't think it's true. I think she tried it and then was like, this sucks. I'm not getting enough money and I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And also, like, she didn't understand really why she shouldn't be doing it because she didn't think she was spreading typhoid. Right. Because nobody went through the process of explaining to her that, yes, she was actually, like, a host for it. <laughs> and then there was also reports that she got injured at the job and had to take time off and then just ended up going back as a cook. So it's kind of confusing about where, when exactly she did this. But so after a little while, she starts to cook again under fake names. And four years after her release, another typhoid outbreak occurs in 1915 at Sloan Maternity Hospital in Manhattan. 25 members of the hospital staff end up getting typhoid and two of them pass away. No. Yeah, so that's, like, a lot of people, too. And I guess, like, I don't know. Like, it's a maternity hospital, and, like, it's a hospital, so it's supposed to be clean. So, like, everybody there was absolutely shocked. So, they hire our pal, Soper. No, this guy. (laughs) Yeah. So, he shows up, and turns out our old pal, Mary, has been working in the kitchen. Shocking. Yeah, so Mary flees from the police, but was found and brought back to North Brother Island to quarantine on March 27, 1915. Mary's second quarantine on North Brother Island came with a private cottage to quarantine. And she apparently led a somewhat busy or full life, I guess. 
So she had, like, her own little cottage on this island. I think they did feel bad about, like, having to fully, like, separate her from everybody, but they didn't really know what to do with her at that point, I guess. Mm -hmm. By 1918, she was allowed to leave the island for day trips, which is good and honestly makes sense if she's not cooking for people when she leaves the island and if she's, like, washing her hands and not, like, touching things really a ton once she's gone, then it's fine. Uh-huh. But on Christmas morning of 1932, Mary's found on the floor of her little cottage, paralyzed after having a stroke. No! She lived for six more years in full-time care of Riverside Hospital until she passed away in November of 1938. And so there's a little bit of confusion around what happened after her death. We aren't fully sure if she had an autopsy or not. Huh. Some sources say that she was immediately rushed to, like, be autopsied and then was, like, buried or cremated. Some reports say that she was immediately cremated and never had an autopsy. Oh. (laughs) But the reports of her autopsy said that her gallbladder was teeming with typhoid um, bacteria. I guess she had gallstones, which tends to be a place where typhoid fever can grow and duplicate and like live so apparently not all healthy carriers have gallstones but a lot of healthy carriers for typhoid have gallstones Hmm. it's a little bit interesting that is interesting basically in total mary mallon had infected at least 122 people and about five people passed away. Um, others, some sources say three people, some say five. Some people say that she only infected 50 people. Some say that it was a lot more, but some of those are just because like she infected somebody and then they infected somebody. The treatment of Typhoid Mary was like extremely unethical, not just because she was quarantined and isolated, but because she wasn't the only Right. Determined healthy carrier. There is actually, like, a whole bunch of healthy carriers, like, found. Um, Hold on. I want to read a few of them. Let me see which source it was. Where did it go? Alright. So, first, I want to do a quote on ethical issues, and this is from an article that I will link. It's a, like, journal article in the Annals of Gastroenterology. Much speculation remains regarding the treatment that Mary received at the hands of the Department of Health, City of New York. She was never fined, let alone confined. Instead of working with her to make her realize she was a risk factor, the state quarantined her twice, making her a laboratory pet. Mary endured test after test and was only thinking of how she could cook again. She had become a victim of the health laws of the press and, above all, the cynical physicians who plenty of the, who had plenty of time to test but never had time to talk with the patient. End quote. That makes me sad. Yeah, it's really just kind of like nobody ever asked, like, was she actually a threat? Right. Or, like, 
I just can't believe they never explained anything to her. Yeah, they never explained anything to her. They never really told her what was going on. So she was just kind of like, what's happening? Right. In reality, there was a few other people that were also the source of a whole bunch of cases. And I'm just going to read this directly from this Mary Mallon Wikipedia page, which I will also add to our sources document. Mm -hmm. Um, Quote, other healthy typhoid carriers identified in the first quarter of the 20th century include Tony Labella, an Italian immigrant presumed to have caused over 100 cases and five deaths. Jeez. An Adirondack guide dubbed Typhoid John, presumed to have infected 36 people with two deaths. And Alphonse Cotils, a restauranter and bakery owner. Honestly, some of these, I think it was Tony Labella, he was taken, like, put, like, quarantine for a little while, but then eventually they were just like, meh. As long as you're cooking the food and washing your hands, it's fine. And kind of just, like, let him go. And I don't know. It really sucks. And it's very sad that this woman who was an immigrant and just trying to, like, make a better life for herself. Like, she left Ireland and moved in with her aunt and uncle. And then they passed away. And she didn't have, like, the easiest life, especially as an immigrant woman in America. And a single woman at that, like, trying to make a life for herself. Before we end, I did want to kind of just connect this back to actual like that's an actual human rights violation (laughs) in a way like they quarantined her against her will and didn't really explain to her what was happening masks in relation to covid are not a violation of any of your rights they're inconvenient (laughs) trying to take out body parts is (laughs) yeah telling somebody they need to remove a body part or keeping somebody in a like on a island is a violation of your rights you being told to wear a mask in a restaurant or in a shopping mall is for the greater good of humanity it doesn't have anything to do with you as an individual bingo so that's my little spiel but also i would like to say that even as more and more people are getting vaccinated and as states and the countries lift mask mandates um from my <laughs> unprofessional opinion, I think that in public spaces, you should continue to be cautious and get tested when you travel. Like, I got tested when I got back from Utah, and I'm fully vaccinated. Test came back negative, but I wanted to do it just to be super sure that I wasn't going to get anybody sick. Mm-hmm. And it's just also... In general, wear your mask if you're sick in the future. I don't know. I'm going to continue to wear my mask on public transportation because people are nasty. <laughs> True. If you can wear a mask. Get ma- get vaccinated. Yeah. Get vaccinated. And I hope everybody has a lovely summer outside. But also, like, in indoor situations and in crowded situations. I don't know. Like, I've seen so many videos of people clubbing and stuff already. Yeah. And it just... I don't want to go back to that anyway. Not that I did it in the first place. <laughs> so, and also, um, masks are a great way to hide your resting bitch face or food in your mouth or acne. So, I don't know. I'm going to keep wearing it so people don't recognize me in public and I don't have to talk to them. Because <laughs> we're famous. <laughs> I mean, because I live at home. You know, just like everything, use your best judgment. Yeah. If a store or restaurant or 
private property tells you you're required to wear a mask, don't be a bitch about it. I was just um, going to say, don't be a dick about it. <laughs> like, I know that my job plans on wearing masks, and already I've had some older woman be like, oh, so no masks soon. I was like, well, we're keeping them here until we're... Because you don't know who's vaccinated and who's not. And just for everybody's safety, not going to hurt to extend it a little bit longer in a restaurant. Like, (laughs) Right. We've been doing it for this long already. Yeah. And you can take your mask off once you're sitting anyway. So it's not like it makes a huge difference. But to use your best judgment. Exactly. That's my show. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) as always, stay tuned next Monday and every Monday for new episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. We're on Instagram at Monday Mornings Pod, on Twitter at Monday Mornings P, and we have a Facebook page. If you have questions or topics that you'd like to have covered in a future episode, you can DM us on any of those platforms. And you can also email us at mondaymorningspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. And if it didn't work, try again. Yeah. Or... I'm just going to keep bullying you. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for those who have done it and have and tried. That's also huge. What? Tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. Share us if you, like, want to on your social media. Yeah. We appreciate it. And we'll probably send you some stuff, too, which is cool. Yeah. Morgan will be gone for a month, so I'll have nothing else to do with my life, so. (laughs) You'll send out so many stickers when I'm gone. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. I'm going to have to deal with the social media. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Start your Monday mornings the right way, as always, with Maddie and Morgan. Bye. Bye. See you next week. Thanks for listening.